I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's another Sunday edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. My guy, Julian McKenzie, is rocking a Q sweater after an upset win over San Diego State. Kawhi Leonard, San Diego State, I believe. And they got yes. another game today. I guess that'll be old news if you're starting this podcast on the Monday, which most people, I think, do. You'll know whether or not Syracuse has got to the Sweet 16 or not. But uh, I guess I know what you're going to be doing uh, right after this podcast. Ooh, baby, watching Buddy Bayheim. That's what's up. Buddy Bayheim, the Cuse, the Orange. Got to rep the, uh, the alma mater, even though uh, I was only there a year for a really good grad degree. But it was a, it was a fun year nonetheless. Hey, one year is enough to uh, to rock that sweater and uh, cheer for the orange every year. Who do they got in the in the second round here? You know what's funny, actually, I don't know off the top of my. Uh, it's a. Uh, I think it's oh, West man. Virginia, actually. It's take West this, Virginia. Take, take this one. It's, no, it's West Virginia. It's West Virginia. <laughs> you, I remember. You, you, I remember. You got, it, you got it. You got it. I put you on the spot. <laughs> I put you on the spot. <laughs> don't uh, take this away, please. <laughs> uh that 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 could have been bad but you recovered uh gracefully and let's be let's be honest your focus is mainly on hockey and that's what we're going to get into right now so i don't i don't uh i don't blame you for not knowing exactly what it was uh but you got it in the end and you're going to nail this hockey discussion that's going to start right I hope now. So. okay uh we're going to talk about the colorado avalanche to start um four wins for the avalanche this week six in a row overall they vaulted back into second place in the West Division after sort of toiling in the middle of the West Division standings for a little while. Somewhat, you know, surprisingly, uh, not, I don't want to see me- mediocrity, but sort of average start for the Avalanche. Uh, but they've certainly turned it up this week alone included. An eight-goal outburst versus the Anaheim Ducks and an aggregate win total of 11-1 to with a shot differential of 97-51 to in two wins over the Minnesota Wild, who they humbled pretty quickly in a two-game set on home ice. So was this the week that the Avalanche got its groove back? I mean, it's a pretty good – I would think so. There were games earlier this year where they should have beaten some teams in that division. That being said, I mean, they were my – the Colorado Avalanche are my pick to win the Stanley Cup this year. As long as they had themselves in a playoff position, I didn't think there was anything to be worried about. They're, they're, you know, it's okay if you're a good team and then you really find your stride – in the latter months of the season, and then you carry that into the playoffs. This is still a very good team from top to bottom. And even though, uh, and I know we'll get to it at some point in terms of maybe some additions they might need. 
I think with a week that they just had right now, that goes a long way for them, you know, really kind of instilling in themselves that, you know what, we really are a cup contending team. They have the performance they had last year. Goaltending kind of messed them up. And even then, it still kind of gave them a chance in their second round series. But I think a week like this, especially the way they destroyed the Minnesota Wild leading up into today, uh, it goes a long way for them to kind of, you know, reinforcing in their head that they truly are the cup contending team that they should be. So I can agree to that statement. Yeah, I think there's been two main issues for them, uh, one of which would be a little bit of inconsistency. I don't think it's as glaring as the second issue, which is the fact that they haven't had a full lineup for most of the year. And you know, what we've seen of the last few games is them almost getting back to full health with Kale McCarr uh, and Bowen Byram getting back. But even with those two guys out and other absences over the last few weeks and months, I mean, this this is a team that's still performing at a really high level without some of their best players. I mean, one of the big stats this week was they went 18 games before their 6 nothing win over the Minnesota Wild, uh, their, their most recent win. Uh, they hadn't given up more than 30 shots in 18 straight games. That dates back to January 31st. They actually had two games against the Wild or against the Coyotes back-to-back where they only allowed 14 shots against. And this is with Guys like Greg Patteron and, and excuse me, Dan, but Dan Renouf, if I if I mispronounce your name, I apologize, but I had never heard of you before looking at Goodness the stats gracious. earlier this morning. So you're playing with guys in place of Kale McCarr. We're talking about Norris trophies in his future. Bowen Byram, we're talking about maybe Norris trophies in his future. And Eric Johnson, who's their stalwart, their, their you know veteran stalwart, if you want to call him that. They were all out of the lineup while you were holding these teams to basically zero output. This is all with injuries happening. These guys are all coming back now, and now we're seeing the, the explosiveness from an offensive standpoint as well. So being a little bit versatile, being able to handle injuries uh, and finding the right notes at the right time, which it, it seems that they're doing, uh, probably pretends great things for the Avalanche, who I have winning the Stanley Cup right along with you. I, I, Greg Pattern, that is a name. I mean, I know he's kind of bounced around over the last few years. That's another name I have not heard in quite some time. But the fact that they were able to make do with some of those bit pieces. Also, this is a Colorado Avalanche team that's supposed to be set on defense for pretty much the next decade, by the way. Uh, The fact that they were able to make it work with those pieces is still pretty impressive. And with still like, you know, a half a season left to play for them to go, the fact that they're going to be able to hit their stride now, if they stay healthy, I mean, not to kind of bring coronavirus into this COVID is probably the biggest thing that kind of stands in their way. And I mean, off the top of my head, I can't think of, I can't think if they've had any outbreak at any point in the year, but if it ever gets to that point, that might be the issue, but I can't see too many teams in their division stopping them. Not even a Vegas golden Knights team who uh, has been atop that division for a good chunk of the year. I don't know. I, I, I think this is the year they put together. If they get their goaltending straight, I know they, they acquired that goalie from Boston and, uh, sorry, from Buffalo, I should say. Yeah. I think with the pieces that they have and the fact that they're now starting to get these wins, if they get some consist- consistency going into the playoffs, good luck, good luck, everybody else. And I still think they could use one move. Maybe you get Eric Stahl at center. Maybe mm-hmm. you get yourself a depth center. They have some cap room to play with. They might have to still move some stuff around. But this Avalanche team is, is right there. They're right there. And I know there's teams in the past where it's like, you know what, they, they're coming up, they look good in the regular season, they don't have the playoff runs to match it. They at least can bank off of what they learned last year to head into this season. But I, I think this year, if you're Colorado, man, you, especially after this week, you have to feel so good about this team. And you have to feel good about your goaltending as well. I mean, yes. the numbers for Philip Grubauer this season have been remarkable. The numbers in the last six games are on their six-game win streak 
have been even better than that. I mean, if you're worried, uh, you're looking back at last season, the only reason why they didn't advance beyond what they did is the fact that their goaltending fell apart. Philip Grubauer went down, Frank Hughes went down, and he wasn't playing well when he was in there. Uh, and Michael Hutchinson got thrust into goal, and I think he won two games before finally yeah. uh, losing in game seven um, in their series, uh, their second round series. So uh, if Philip Grubauer can stay healthy, if he can even maintain close to the standard that he's maintaining right now, it helps when you only allow 14 shots in consecutive games. I mean, that that, that certainly signifies Insane. that the defense is helping you out a lot, which they certainly are. Uh, and you're right. This is a, this is the strength of their team now. I think is their ability to keep pucks out of their own net with their goaltending and what is probably the most talented defense core in the league when at full health with three guys in Bowen Byram, Sam Gerrard, and Kale McCarr who could be you know talked about for Olympic teams moving forward. These are really really good defensemen, uh, and that's you know that's half their decor right there. So. Uh, you sort of teased what they could potentially do at the deadline. Uh, you you mentioned Eric Stahl. Uh, is that what is that, you know, is, is depth center sort of their number one thing that you're looking for there? Um, or or is there anything else that they could do? I mean, there's some big fish out there. There's Taylor Hall, who they had interest in apparently in the offseason and weren't able to sign. Uh, there's guys like Philip Forsberg out there, Mikel Granlin out there with the Nashville Predators looking to sell off all their assets. Uh, is there anything else beyond Eric Stahl that, that you might have an eye on? I think if you're Joe Sackick and, and the Colorado Avalanche management, I know I mentioned Eric Stahl. I think just any piece that just kind of adds to their attack, in my mind, I think that puts them over the top. I, I, I don't think you can go into a postseason with too many weapons up front. And I know the Colorado Avalanche, as they're set now, they, they look pretty good. But you had you had a, a, an Eric Stahl at that center. Maybe you move Tyson Jost down to the fourth line, and maybe Pierre Edouard Belmar kind of steps in as as a guy who can step in as a healthy scratch. But like, a, 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 imagine a center depth potentially of McKinnon, Kadri, and then Stahl. I mean, who's beating that in the playoffs? That's a really formidable team to go up against. I think that's a guy you should look at in terms of a Taylor Hall on the wing. I know he's he's had a bit of a weird year with what's been going on in Buffalo, but I think that's a guy who. We've seen him play at a high caliber level. We've seen him play uh, to win well enough to win a Hart Trophy. I think if you put him in a situation in, in a team like Colorado where he doesn't have to be the guy to do it, I mean, come on. Like, that could easily help him. I'm not sure if they would value that more than an Eric Stahl, per se. I'm not sure. I mean, then again, I mean, like a Brandon Sod and Nechuski on the wings and, and Barakovsky and Donsko. I mean, Hall would easily be an upgrade over those players. But mm -hmm. I, I wonder, you know, if, if the Avalanche might value more of center depth versus a winger depth because I think the guys on the wing, they can still produce uh, in a decent capacity here. That's what, that's what makes this Colorado team so good. The, the guys up front can produce and the secondary scoring can produce as well. So I think it's just a matter of getting those, those, those secondary, a good secondary piece. I, and I don't think you can go wrong if you get someone at center or if you get someone at wing, because this team's going to make the playoffs and this team's going to be good in the playoffs anyway. It's just a matter of just getting that one piece of insurance uh, for them going forward. That's who I think the Avalanche should target. As a quick aside, I will let you handle the pronunciation on Pierre Edward Belmer moving forward because I just butchered it, and uh, it's you could splice those two back to back, and it would be pretty embarrassing <laughs> for me. Um, but uh, you're right. I think another little scoring pop is maybe all that the Avalanche need. Uh, I wouldn't be going too crazy at the deadline. I wouldn't be trying to mix uh, or you know mess with the foundation of this team too too much because I think they're on that trajectory by themselves. Uh, they they maybe address the goaltending situation as you alluded to earlier with uh, Buffalo's Jonas Johansson 
Uh, I don't have any, you know, strong belief that he can be that guy. Um, if, you know, Pavel Frensos is not able to come back this year and, and be a difference maker, if Philip Grubauer is not able to perform for this team, uh, that would be the one area which I would think is their most glaring need. Uh, and maybe they've addressed it, uh, perhaps. But uh, that, we'll, we'll see in that regard. Um, I don't know about Taylor Hall. Uh, if you believe in curses, you wouldn't be inviting him onto your team. There's a little bit of a stink surrounding this guy. I don't know why. I can't tell you what it is. But if I'm the Colorado Avalanche, who are, are a, a superb team, I might not be going that direction. That's really interesting, man. I still think I, – I don't get it, man. I think the teams that he's just been on have just been – there's not good enough. You know, like, I'm not sure what it is with him. I'm not sure if, there, if it is just something with him. But I think with, with good talent in almost any sport, if you put them in great environments – they're bound to succeed. And I think if Taylor Hall was on this Colorado Avalanche team, I mean, there's no way he'd be able to take them so bad to, that they'd miss the playoffs. That's out of the question. No. I think this is a guy who'd provide enough scoring for them to be a good team. That being said, again, I'll, I'll go back to it with Eric Stahl. I, I, I don't think that the Avalanche would be wrong to opt for another centerpiece, including a guy unlike Taylor Hall who has playoff experience and has won a Stanley Cup and knows a thing or two about going on a deep playoff run. They're going for Eric Stahl might actually be a slightly better move to do than Taylor Hall this year. But if they get Taylor Hall somehow, like, come on, in theory, that should be, that should be all the scoring pop that you need. I know he, he, his totals aren't great this year, but Taylor Hall at his best is still one of the better players this league has to offer. Uh, I'd be seriously cheering for the Avalanche if they don't get Taylor Hall but uh, it's one of those guys where I just want to see something good happen for him so if he gets straight in the avalanche that would certainly be a good thing but I hope he would be able to help them as well and not be what you know that that dark cloud that seems to be hovering over his head I, I hope it wouldn't follow him uh to Denver okay it is transaction season we just talked about potential transactions so let's talk about more potential transact transactions as the April 12th deadline approaches we're going to focus on the Canadian teams. Uh, I'm not going to give you the disclaimer again. We're both in Canadian markets. We're going to lean to the Canadian teams a little bit. So we're going to talk about what the Leafs, Oilers, Jets, and Canadians might do leading up to the April 12th deadline. Now, I didn't mention the Vancouver Canucks, the Ottawa Senators, or the Calgary Flames. They are outside of the postseason right now. They could still get in, but I'm looking at the teams, or we're going to look at the teams that are inside the playoff picture right now and how they might look to solidify their positions heading down into the stretch run. So let's start with the division leaders, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who are actually in a deadlock right now with the Edmonton Oilers, but do have, uh, I believe, the games in hand advantage. So they still hold down the number one seed, despite a bit of a wobble in, the, in recent weeks, uh, and a wobble that might uh, change their opinion on what needs to be done before April 12th. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, have a lot of forwards. There are a lot of puzzle pieces up front that they're trying to move around. The defense has been as stable as it's been in a long time. And you feel like with Jack Campbell, they've solidified that, that crease, even though Frederick Anderson is playing as bad as he's played with the organization of late. So uh, a lot of things to consider. We also had Dubas, Kyle Dubas come, come out uh, this week and talk a little bit about what he might be looking for and what he might be willing to spend, which is a top prospect. So uh, as someone who's not directly in the market, but has a keen eye on what's going on in Toronto, uh, what, what do you think the Leafs should be trying to accomplish before April 12th? 
You might know better than me, but I wonder if defense might actually be the top of their list here. You mentioned they have the talent that they have at forward. I mean, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, John Tavares, William Nylander, Zach Hyman, I'm missing a forward, but like, come on, that's a pretty good top six, right? I don't know if they necessarily need to bolster. I mean, then again, you know what? If they add that piece there, Taylor Hall, we'll throw him out there. Why not? Hey, Toronto would look really good up front. That being said, on defense, that was the the one side of this team that for years uh, has been dogged on by, by pundits and, and critics alike. And you're right, they've looked really good this year. They made some additions in the offseason, like a TJ Brody to make the, the defense a bit more stable. Why not go for Matias Ekholm and, and, and put it over the top, or at least make them even better? I still think uh, that the Leafs could benefit from, from an improvement at, at that side of the team. I, I think they're fine on forwards. I think Jack Campbell should be fine at goaltending. And I still hold out hope that Freddie Anderson can, can find his game. I still think he's a, he's a pretty solid goaltender. I know he hasn't played his best, but if you're in a situation where the Leafs can have at least two cap- – two capable goaltenders, they're going to be fine going forward. So I think the best place for, for Kyle Dubas, who I would give marks for, for going to the media and saying, Hey, like we're, we're, we're in it to, to spend. We're willing to, to put out some, we're, we're willing to do something to make a move this year. He, he let his intentions be known that the team could go out. The team should be able to go out and try to get something this year. Cause this is a Toronto Maple Leafs team that has had to deal with all of these mounting expectations. They've been going in the playoffs year after year and they have not been able to get a proper series win. Uh, this has to, this year, I don't, I'm not saying they have to go out and win the Stanley cup, although I'm sure the entire city of Toronto would love that. That being said, they need some kind of result this year. And if it means having to part with a prospect uh, and maybe a roster player to get the big fish in the trade deadline pool. So be it because something has to happen. So good on Kyle Dubas for stepping in front of everyone and saying, Hey, I'm willing to spend whatever it takes to, to get that quality player. I think the player for them just might have to come on defense. Yeah. I mean, the, the incentives should, should certainly be there for the Maple Leafs. Um, and the willingness to move a prospect or a top prospect is, I feel like understandable because there is an opportunity here, but he also mentioned in that press conference that it's going to probably be a rental. And I don't know if I want to give up Nick Robertson or Rodion Amirov or Rasmus Sandin for a rental. It, that doesn't really make much sense to me. Um, but it does make sense that they're looking for a rental because of the looming specter of the uh, expansion draft with the Seattle Kraken. And if you bring in a guy with term, then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it changes your complete dynamic in terms of who you're going to protect this summer. And Matias Ekholm would do that. If you, if you trade for Matias Echo, maybe you get him for half the cost and he's playing at less than $2 million. I mean, that is tremendous value on a player like Ekholm. And any team would be silly not to be going after that. But then if you have Ekholm and you want to protect Ekholm and you want to protect Jake Muzzin and Morgan Riley and TJ Brody, then all of a sudden you're left completely exposed with your forward group and you're probably going to lose a, a guy that you don't want to lose in the expansion draft to Seattle. Either way, they're probably going to lose someone. Um, but this certainly you could lose uh, someone of more value at the forward position uh, if you in fact go that route. So I don't love the idea of giving up a really top prospect for a rental, especially in the position they're in, but he seems Kyle Dubas seems dead set on getting a forward. Uh, And if that forward is, you know, Philip Forsberg at half the price, then maybe you do want to, you know, protect uh, or give up a, a top prospect, but I'm just a little reluctant because I feel like most of the pieces are there and that really maybe a third line center is about all they need to really 
you know, distance himself from the rest of the division. So uh, it, it is all, I mean, this, this is truly a unique year. And with the expansion draft and the money, that, the tight, uh, you know, situation for a lot of these teams, the quarantine rules, like there's so much that goes into these considerations right now. And, and I feel like less might be more this year. Okay. Well, I still think with, with the intentions that, that Kyle Dubas put out there for everybody, whether it's going to result in them getting a, a, a big finish or even just a debt piece, at least I think Toronto Maple Leafs fans can expect that by April 12th, their team will have already done something to, to kind of bolster them going forward. I don't think you go, I don't think you go out to the media and say, hey, we're willing to, 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 to give up a top prospect and you come away empty-handed. So I think yeah. Leafs fans could at least expect something to happen just before the deadline. Yeah, and honestly, I think it probably will be sooner than later because yes. uh, Dubas also mentioned in that call, and not to bring up everything he said, but um, if they made a deal at the deadline, they might only have that player with them for about 10 days before the start of the playoffs because of the quarantine rules, which would not be a great situation. Okay, let's go to the Edmonton Oilers next, who are – I think exceeding a lot of people's expectations. I think we knew the potential was there for them to be hovering near the top of the division. Um, but we also knew that there was a potential for them to miss the playoffs entirely and disappoint in a year that is still in the Ken Holland transition toward him having total, you know, uh, his, his complete, um, you know, hold and control on this team with, you know, a lot of the remnants from Peter Shirelli still kicking around. So, uh, Obviously, there's an opportunity here for Edmonton. Connor McDavid is playing better than he has ever before, and that is better than 99.99% of the entire NHL has before. So uh, there's certainly things to be excited about, but are, are you willing or wanting to surround him with a little bit more talent, uh, given that you know this is still a, a, a slow build here, or it's supposed to be a slow build, uh, and that you know they might not have all the talent in the world uh, to compete at least this year for a Stanley Cup. Oh, man. I I, th- I feel like that's the biggest thing that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have needed to, to truly compete. Uh, just talent beyond those two guys. You, you're absolutely right when you say Connor McDavid is playing at a level we've never seen before. He has literally put the team on his back. He did that last night uh, against the Winnipeg Jets, just pretty much helping them in that comeback win over them last night. I think you add like a, a good a second or third line player, someone else to kind of alleviate some pressure off of him. And I think the Edmonton Oilers could solidify themselves as a playoff team because they're getting some help on defense. Darnell nurse is having a career year. He matched his career output and goals. And at the beginning of the year, the biggest worry with them was their goaltending. And Mike Smith, all of a sudden at like 39 years old is, is playing some of the best hockey we've seen from him in a while. He's been, he's been decent for them over the last few games. And, and Dave Pitt, Tippett, the head coach was praising him last night during the media availability. I, I think the Edmonton Oilers, if they're truly serious about, you know, just being in the playoffs and, and just kind of, I, I think they should do something. I think it would be great for them to, you know, add a player just, just to kind of help the morale of a Connor and a Leon. And I know they're locked into those deals that they have, and I know they're, they're, they're foundational players, but those are guys who entered this season clearly on a mission to try to change some of the bad fortunes that have kind of plagued the franchise over the last few years. And they want to be taken seriously as, as a team out of the North Division or, or just in the NHL period. You know, a team with two of the best players in the world, year in, year out, failing, that's, that's not going to sell it for them. I think if you're Ken Holland, even if you are in that transitional period 
where you're you're trying to offload some of the remnants of, of the old Peter Shirelli era and and all that. I think it would do wonders for this team if you were able to just add a player who can help them make the playoffs. I don't think they're a team that could win the cup, but I think adding somebody maybe up front just to kind of help out Connor and just kind of, you know, ease some pressure off of him and off of Leon Dreisaitl as well. Uh, I think regardless of how it ends up for this team, that's just a really positive step for those two players going forward. That's, that's what I think. You sh- they should at least do something. Yeah. I'm sort of on the opposite end. I mean, I will provide this caveat. If Connor McDavid came up to me, if I'm Ken Holland and said, I, I want this, I think this team needs this. I probably do exactly what he says because I, I will, carry you know i will do anything i can to keep him happy Um, come on but i but i also look at this as you know they weren't supposed to be a team that was competing this year they're probably not able to really compete with the elite teams in the league and you've got to you've got to stay on with the process and the process was to get through this year to get some more money freed up and to really model your team around ken holland's vision so I don't think we should do, I don't think the Oilers should do what they did last year, which was waste some assets for Andreas Athanasiu and Mike Green. Mike Green didn't even show up at the bubble and they didn't even extend, I don't think, a qualifying offer to Athanasiu after giving up what I believe was two second round picks. And that, that is a complete waste of assets and something that is uncharacteristic if you're Ken Holland, but also foolish for Ken Holland because, yeah, they played, you know, fifth best team in the West last year. They played very, very well beyond expectations in the regular season but they weren't, they were a flawed team. And they showed that very quickly against the Chicago Blackhawks in the play-in round. I think they're better than that now. I think they're a better team than that. I mean, Darnell Nurse has grown a lot. That defense core is a lot better. I think some of the depth pieces have have settled in nicely. Uh, And I think they just have a better mix. Um, But I'm not willing to give up more assets, big-time assets, um, for what is maybe just a a run with, you know, a half-measured approach here. Uh, I think they could add a depth defender. I think they could probably use a little bit more help back there, especially if there's an injury uh, with Oscar Clefbaum out. Um, but if I'm Ken Holland, I'm not mortgaging the future uh, for this year because I think there's bigger things ahead and I think they're getting there and I think they should just stay on that process. Yeah, uh, I can agree with you there, but I, I still think just going forward, even if it is just adding a depth piece, that still does wonders for, for those guys in, in, in Connor and, and Leon, particularly if you're trying to keep those guys happy because they're clearly frustrated with how things have gone to this point and they, they need something for them going forward to kind of uplift themselves and, and, and bring up that positivity in that market. I think even if Ken Holland just gets a depth piece, whether at forward or at defense, I think you're, you're absolutely right on defense considering the injuries that they've had to deal with. I think the Oilers would benefit greatly from at least Ken Holland saying, you know what, maybe I don't mortgage the future, but I'm going to give my team a chance here. Because this is a team that's in a playoff position. They're playing some of their best hockey of the year. They're, they're in a share for, 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 for the lead of the, atop the North Division. Like I, I think if you're the Edmonton Oilers, you have to at least see what you have and, and see what you can do and, and kind of push them forward here. And the opportunity might, not, might be there for them to not mortgage the future to get an impact player because it seems like it's going to be uh, a bit of a buyer's market with uh, not too many teams um, or, or, you know, more buyers that or less buyers than they are sellers. And there, it could be, it could be the situation where, you know, a really good player just falls in their lap for a low price and that could really help them. So uh, I think you've got to be open to that, but just to, to make that first move and get that, get a huge impact player for a first round pick. I don't think they're in that position. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Uh, Winnipeg Jets, I think they're in that position right now. I think mm-hmm. they need to be aggressive before the deadline. I mean, they've already acquired Pierre-Luc Dubois, cost them a potential superstar in Patrick Laine. Um, But this is a really good team. Uh, it's a really good forward group getting a little bit older. I mean, there's still a lot of really young, talented pieces, obviously. But guys like Blake Wheeler are only going to have so many really big years left. And I think maybe he's on the the, the downside of those really big point total years. Uh, But there's clearly potential, but there's clearly holes here. And those holes are on the back end. If Matthias Ekholm belongs on any team, I think it's the Winnipeg Jets. I think they have the most reason to be aggressive. I think they have the biggest need for a guy like Matias Ekholm. This is, to me, a match made in heaven, and the Winnipeg Jets should be trying to make the biggest move to put themselves in the best position to compete for the North Division. This is a team that has had playoff run after playoff run over the last few years. They've assembled the pieces that they have, whether at forward, at, at, at goaltending. And this is a team that, even from the beginning of this year, uh, uh, the biggest, weakest, biggest weakness I identified with them was at the back end. And I think... If they were to get, you know, Matthias Ekholm or, or someone else just to kind of fill up that back part of their team, this is a team that you should watch out for. I said this last week. This is a team that people were sleeping on. We were looking at all these different teams in the North Division and saying that, you know, they're really good teams. I didn't feel enough people were praising the Winnipeg Jets enough. And I think the Winnipeg Jets now, in a situation where they've lost, over the weekend, they lost, a consent, well, not over the weekend, but yesterday's loss, I think it was like the first time all year they've lost consecutive games in regulation all year this is a really good team and you're absolutely right if this is if there's a team that should be aggressive this year it's the winnipeg jets their window to go on a deep run is very much open they made the acquisition to get pierre luke dubois earlier this year i think he's fit in just fine with that group there this is a winnipeg jets team if they get themselves a good defense a good defenseman that's a really good team to go up against in the playoffs and i think there are some even though they're gonna be playing against canadian teams in that first few rounds of the playoffs they go up against it. I mean, I don't know what the rankings would look like, but look, if you're anyone going up against the Winnipeg Jets, watch out. This is a team, I think, if they make one good acquisition, they could go far in the playoffs. Do not sleep on the Winnipeg Jets. I think they're a really good team. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm complete with, completely with you there. I think they have every reason in the world to be aggressive this year in particular. Um, Montreal Canadiens, I'll uh, let you take the floor to start, but I'll, I'll say this before you do. I think Mark Bergevin's done his job, and for that reason, I don't, I don't really expect anything uh, substantial from them before the deadline. I'll say this. I think Mark Bergevin, in theory, should have done his job. The problem is, is that the team right now, nobody knows, like, 
if they're supposed to be really good anymore or if they're just going to be really bad. They've just been kind of here and there. It's just been – it was weird. Like, that first month of the year, I said on the show, this is the best Canadian team I've ever seen. And I still stand by what I said in that first month. It's just in that February, everything just kind of went down. Just what I just don't get, and, and maybe this is just me thinking this, but it doesn't make sense to me. You have the offseason you have where if you're Mark Bergevin, you go out and you acquire all these players through trades and free agency. It's very clear you're trying to change the makeup of your team. You, you have the first month that you have. The second month of the year in February, the team starts to crater down in the standings. And you're like, oh, no, I don't want this team to, to, to be like last year where we had two eight-game winless streaks. You let go of your head coach. You let go of the associate head coach. Uh, you, you let go of the goalie coach partway through a game. And depending on what Stefan Waite said, whether it's true or not, we get the indication that Mark Bergevin is making these moves because he does not want to be that guy out. So it seems as if there's some desperation on Bergevin's part because he feels his seat is hot. But that's that might be hearsay. We don't know that. So that's why for me, for him to for him to kind of come out and be like, you know what, we don't have a lot of financial flexibility. Uh, it's going to be hard for us to make a move. I find that might actually be the reality, but if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan, I don't think you want to hear that. You want to hear, you know, this team is trying to make playoffs. You were talking all high and mighty in the first part of the year, saying the team could play with anyone. Now you're in a situation where you're you're, you're still struggling against the Ottawa Senators or, or the Vancouver Canucks were able to get games off of you, right? Like this is a mm-hmm. team I think that has made it clear that the playoffs are the goal, and they and Bergeron reiterated that earlier this week. I don't think they could afford to go through the trade deadline and not do anything. I understand that he did every uh, Bergman did everything he could to make the team as good as he can, but it's very clear that they could use another piece. They could use a depth center. They went out in this year, then said, you know what, we're going to rely on three young centers, but I don't think it's worked as well as they would have liked it to. You get a fourth line center to kind of shore up everything that could help. This is a team that pr- could probably also benefit from Matias at home, but they might not end up getting him. That, that might cost them a lot. And I think Mark Bergman has also shown that he may not be willing to, to part with the future because the Canadians have one of the better prospect pools of, ev- of everyone in the National Hockey League. And they might just feel that they might have just guys in, the, in their stable that might be able to fill up some holes on defense. So I, I don't know. I, I think if you're Mark Bergman, like while – fine i can understand why some people feel like you know what he's he's done the job and some people also look at it from a standpoint that if he wanted to trade some guys to get some of those pieces let's throw in a philip deneau for example here who you know the word going around was that he turned down that contract offer around 30 million dollars in the off season to this point he's just been so so that below so so this year if you look at his goal and point totals that is not going to help him get traded so the situation is a little difficult but mark bergevin has made moves all year he's going to have to do something and i still even though they have those games in hand vancouver and calgary i know we didn't mention them in this segment at all those are two teams that have picked up their play in recent weeks while the montreal canadians have just been kind of going up and down and up and down and up and down if they don't settle that situation there's a chance one of those teams could take over for them i'm sorry i think mark bergman has to do something at the deadline. i don't think he necessarily has to throw the moon and get the best player available, but I don't think him going through the trade deadline without doing anything is going to do anything for this Montreal Canadiens team. Wouldn't Philip Forsberg be the perfect addition for them? Uh, I mean, goal scoring, maybe not as big of an issue this year as it has been in previous seasons. Um, But if you could get a player that could, you know, 30 goal potential, he's, he's done before 
with term one more year at a retained salary. Uh, it's going to cost you a lot, obviously, to pry uh, a, a great player like that out of his situation. But if the Predators really want to sell off most of their assets and they want to flip this thing over, um, then Philip Forsberg might be out there. And if you could get Philip Forsberg at half the cost with term, so he's going to help you this year and next at a reduced salary or a bargain salary for a guy of his potential, I feel like that's the move that Montreal should be looking at, something along those lines. If you could get a truly impact player with term at a reduced rate, I think that makes the most sense. Um, you know, and you can tinker at the margins. You can get a little help on defense and fourth line center uh, uh, help. But if anything's going to really change the fortunes of this team, I think it's an elite goal scorer. And with Philip Forsberg's name out there, I mean, that's the one thing that stands out to me. I think that's a pretty cool name that you just mentioned there. And I know this team at the beginning of the year was able to score at different rates, but this is a team that for years, they've struggled to be a really good scoring team. If, if Mark Bergevin is able to, to part with pieces, probably what, like a, a really good roster player. I mean, Nick, would Nick Suzuki get looked at in a deal like this, a really good prospect coming the other way as well. I'm, I'm sure with, with the demand for Philip Forsberg, the Montreal Canadiens would have to be in a position where they'd have to part with quite a bit to, to make that move. But I think if this team is very serious about making the playoffs and possibly going beyond, they're good. I say it every year. They have to give to get, right? So I, I think the idea of Philip Forsberg on this team filling a need of goal scoring, that would really help this team going forward. And if he has another year on his contract, even better for them because with the team that they have set right now, they, they should be a playoff team going forward. So you know what, that's not, a, that's not a bad idea, but I'm just curious if, if Mark Bergevin, with the salary cap flexibility that he says he doesn't have, if he's going to look at a Philip Forsberg and be like, hmm, you know what, I might not have the stomach for it this year. I think there are some impact players he could possibly find himself going for. It's just a matter of how much he really feels, uh, really feels trapped by the salary cap situation he's in. Yeah, I mean, we just spilled quite a few words on the Leafs, Oilers, Jets, and Canadians. Um, but as you mentioned, salary cap, quarantine, everything else that goes into this season, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it could be – uh, there's a lot of opportunity. There seems like there's a lot of potential. But there could be absolutely nothing that comes out of this because it's just a tough year to accomplish those things. But we shall see. Um, as bad as things have been in Montreal over the last couple of weeks, uh, it's nothing compared to what's going on in San Jose. And Eric Carlson sort of indirectly shone the light on the mess that's uh, the San Jose Sharks right now. Last week with comments about how he didn't want to be a part of a rebuild and, you know, that doesn't interest him. And he's got to, he's trying to, you know, kick management in the butt a little bit and try to get them to not descend into this rebuild that they seem to be uh, quickly falling into. But the fact of the matter is that this team is in probably the worst position of any in the entire National Hockey League right now. Like, it is extremely problematic what they have on the books and what they don't have in the system. Uh, CJ Turturro uh, shared this great tweet this week, or I think it was yesterday or a couple days ago, uh, looking towards 2025, that the Sharks will be paying $41.5 million, which could be still half the salary cap despite all the ESPN money and all the money coming from other networks. Um, but $41.5 million to Logan Couture, 35 years old, Evander Kane, 33 years old, Eric Carlson, 34 years old, Brent Burns, 40 years old, and Mark Edward Vlasic, you could actually pronounce that better. You can if you'd like, 37 years old. Uh, like there's no getting around that. These five players are 
not good enough right now to be worth that money. But in four years from now, we could be looking at maybe the worst situation we've seen in the salary cap era in terms of dead money. It's not looking good right now for the San Jose Sharks who have way more albatross contracts than they do actual deals that they could parlay into something that looks like futures for them to kickstart a rebuild. Even Timo Meyer and Thomas Hurdle right now are not on very good deals. They're, they're a little bit overvalued when looking at the market right now. So everything is overvalued. And Eric Carlson's not even looking at a rebuild because he's just going to look at years and years and years of wheels spinning, it seems. Oh, my God. I mean, when you list off 2025, that might be the beginning of, of a hockey equivalent of a retirement home. Just people just kind of wandering around, just trying to find stuff to do on a daily basis, and they can't really leave because they just can't leave. I, I don't know. This this team is just not in a great situation. And it's unfortunate for Eric Carlson because when he did join the San Jose Sharks with the talent that they had, you looked at them as a team that – it still had a cup window open. The thing is, is just that like, you know, for years before Eric Carlson joined, that cup window was open for them and they just failed to take advantage year after year after year after year. It's not as if he was joining a team that just had a window open. This is a team that was still fighting to, to get themselves a chance into this back into the Stanley Cup finals to, to hopefully win and take advantage of all those lost years from the 2010. So it's a bit of an unfortunate situation, but I didn't think it was going to get that bad for them. Goodness. I'm not sure how they're going to be able to offload some of these deals. They're going to have to, you know, if trade some of these guys and, and retain salary in certain cases as well, it, this is, this is not good. This is, this is not good. Not to mention they don't have a lot of prospects coming, not a great prospects coming in. This is not a good team. This is not a good situation. I, I mean, at the same time too, Eric Carlson has just not been himself since that ankle injury. He's just, it's just been a bit of an unfortunate situation. Even if he wants to kind of kick management in the pants here, like what could they really do? They they might just have to offload some of those guys off some of their guys and just kind of start over. They're going to have to rebuild. I, I can't see any other situation that works. I I think we sort of understand now. I mean, there was Evander Kane. There's news about him potentially having his contract voided because he was in bankruptcy court. And you can kind of see why that was maybe an option for San Jose, because as good as he's been, he's been decent this year. It's probably not worth $7 million, and that $7 million certainly could be used elsewhere just to get warm bodies onto the team with all the money they have tied up and guys who are certainly past their prime. And, and, and all, this, all this talk about you know, them having so much money uh, you know, offloaded into, uh, into players that are beyond their prime, this is, a, this is an organization that two or three years ago tried to pay John Tavares, I believe it was $15 million a season. Imagine if they had paid John Tavares that much money, they wouldn't be able to field a roster right now. Like no. they just would not have the money to do that. Maybe they wouldn't have Eric Carlson. I don't know if, which one came first, but even if they had signed like that is that in itself is a, is a terrible look because John Tavares having trouble right now, living up to $11 million. And if he was making $15 million on the San Jose Sharks, <laughs> uh, I CJ's tweet would have been even more of a banger. Oof, San Jose, bro. I hope the weather's nice out there. That might be the only good thing for them players out there, man. Fifty? Is that really real? They didn't really try to offer Tavares. I know they were in. I knew they were I in on Tavares. I didn't know. I didn't know it was fifteen it, it million dollars. It, it was outlandish what they were offering him. That's insane. And, and, and that and, and that basically is a is a look into exactly what they've been doing with all the other talented players that they have at their disposal. They just overpaid and gave so much term on all of them. Their cat-friendly sheet 
is a complete mess. And we haven't even mentioned the goaltending position with oh, over almost $8 million uh, split between Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik, who are at the low end right now. We'll just say that. Like, like below average in goaltending. Like, oh, man. Also, I, I didn't give you props on, on the Mark Edward Vlasic pronunciation. Good job, buddy. Good job. You did. I got it. But I'll say this. Yeah, you got it. You're okay. good. Or, or I don't know. I mean, I guess on LDS, they probably like Marc Edouard Vlasic, I guess, but you don't exactly. have to over this. I don't know. I you don't have to. Though. I don't know. You don't have to overdo it. I guess as long as you don't completely butcher these names and, you know, completely anglicize them, I guess you're fine. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm being a Quebecer, I'm used to kind of Frenchizing all these names, I guess. But like this San Jose Sharks team, this is not a good situation. This is not good. Like, I didn't realize it was this bad. This is terrible. What are they? Mm-hmm. I mean, fine. They have players who are Evander Kane at least playing a little decently, but like this team is not. They do their window is is. I don't know how. Look, you see, I, I understand we have audio viewers who are not going to see the size of my fingers here, but when you list off the teams that are 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 guaranteed to be cup contending teams, Vegas Golden Knights, a, a Colorado Avalanche, for example, uh, even the Dallas Stars, I would give them props. Like there are other teams in this Western Conference who have surpassed the San Jose Sharks over the last how many years? That window for them has shrunk considerably. Uh, pretty much since the last time, they were, since the time they were in the finals. I, I'm sorry for Eric Carlson. You know, not, I mean, you know, I don't want to be like crying me a river over here, but I mean, considering the situation that's there with all the players are there, to quote Drake, you knew what it was when you signed up. I'm sorry, man. You, you're going to have to deal with this. Yeah, uh, and you're going to have to uh, reconcile with the fact that your play has dropped off tremendously as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Eric Carlson at $11 million five years ago, you know, yeah, I'll sign me up for that. Any team will probably yeah. get involved with the best defenseman on the planet. But Eric Carlson is far from that, and it's only probably going to get worse from here. And that money is only going to stay the same like it will with Couture and Kane and Burns and Vlasic. And that just spells disaster for the San Jose Sharks. We'll leave it at that. Uh, big day for you tomorrow. Starting a new yep. gig. Yep. Uh, so I hope you get some sleep. I hope Syracuse gets another dub over West Virginia. Or was it West Virginia? West Virginia. It is West Virginia, right? yes. Right? I got that got right. It. I got that so, right. Uh, yes. So it could, be a, it could be a huge day for you tomorrow. It's a big day regardless. So, again, we, we uh, congratulate you on the job. And we look forward to officially – doing this with the athletics julian mckenzie next weekend all right and uh the athletics big and uh hey watch this space there may be more things on the horizon you don't know who knows maybe something i can't say anything i don't know who knows i got the i got the tweet notifications locked and loaded julian all right <laughs> i'll get the, i'll get the thread ready <laughs> uh, uh we appreciate that uh we appreciate you doing that um julian mckenzie another week we'll leave it at that that's the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.